podcast. I'm Brian Wise, editor of the magazine. Our guest in this podcast is Jason Isbell, who I call the King of Americana, and that's not an idle claim. Since 2009, he's won nine Americana Awards and been nominated for another 10 to add to his four Grammy Awards. Jason Isbell was born and raised in Alabama and got a publishing deal with Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals when he was just 21. He befriended David Hood, legendary musician from that area, and the father of Patterson Hood of the Drive-By Truckers. And soon, Jason joined that band and was a member for the next five years. Since 2007, Jason's pursued his solo career, and after his debut album in that year, Sirens of the Ditch, he formed the 400 unit, which has been behind him for six of his next eight albums, including the latest, Weather Vanes, which follows the album Georgia Blue in 2021, a charity album of songs by Georgia artists recorded after Isbell promised the project if the Democrats won Georgia in the 2020 election. Weather Vanes, Isbell's ninth album, deals with many of his concerns, from the personal to the political, and addresses some really big issues. I first spoke to Jason Isbell when he was in Australia for the very first time with Justin Towns Earl more than a decade ago. And we've chatted quite frequently ever since and I've been able to witness his amazing development as a musician and as a person. Last year we caught up by Zoom to talk about the Fender Jason Isbell signature model while he was on the set of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon, in which he plays the role of farmer Bill Smith. This time, it's to talk about the new album, Weather Vanes, and we met prior to Jason Isbell's show at the Palais in Melbourne during his April tour of Australia with the 400 unit, supported by Alison Russell. Let's hear a little of the first track released as a single from Weather Vanes. This is Death Wish, and then we'll talk to Jason Isbell. Did you ever love a woman with a death wish? Something in her eyes like flipping off a light switch. But you gotta find a reason to carry on Oh, and did you ever catch her climbing on the rooftop Higher than a kite Get a winner in a tank top I don't wanna fight with you, baby But I won't leave you alone The night was young once We were the wild ones Or we had to pay attention to the violence Last time we spoke was when Fender released the signature Jason Isbell Telecaster, mm-hmm. and uh, you were on location at Martin Scorsese's film shoot. Yeah, tell us yeah. a little bit about that. How it went? It went really well. You know, it was I was out there for about three months, um, and it was a real challenge. It was it was uh, something I've never done before, um, and everybody else there was really good at it. So it was it was uh, I was anxious, but you know they were very helpful. And after a couple of weeks, I sort of realized I must be here for a reason because I've never seen a Scorsese movie and thought that was great except for that one redneck dude messing everything up. So I thought he's not going to let me screw up his movie. Um, so he must know what he's doing. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think the movie's going to be beautiful. 
what role are you playing? Uh, it, it, uh, my name is uh, um, Bill Smith, and um, I am a, a resident of North Central Oklahoma in um, about, I think the movie goes from about 1918 to 1924 or so. We're looking forward to seeing it. Um, you wrote some songs, in, I guess, in your trailer with your guitar while you yeah, were there, didn't you? I did, yeah. You know, I had a lot of downtime because... Um, the weather in Oklahoma can be questionable, so there were a lot of days where we were uh, just sitting around waiting to shoot. Sometimes we got to it, sometimes we didn't, so uh, I had some guitars out there with me, and I wrote quite a few songs that wound up making it on our, our new album. Can I take you back to the first time you ever went to Blues Fest? Uh-huh. Because I interviewed you with Justin there. We're in a little trailer. We call them dongers here. Yeah. And... Uh, it seems an incredible time ago now, doesn't it? Could you have possibly yeah. predicted or foreseen then where you are now? I don't know. I don't know if I would have predicted it. I mean, not with any sort of accuracy, uh, but, um, um, yeah, that was, what, 12 or 13 years ago, I guess? Yeah, so that was before Southeastern, you know. So when, when Southeastern came out, it really changed everything for me. Um you know, there are certain things that I wish had gone different between then and now, especially considering Justin not being with us anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember having a really good time. I think I saw a crowded house at that festival that year, and uh, I didn't realize how huge they were over here. But, you know, I've, I've been a fan since the 80s, since I was a little kid. So it was a, a big deal for me to get to see them uh, a little bit closer to their home, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 been... It's been great. I mean, the time since then, you know, especially after I got sober, I, I had more time to work and more focus. And uh, I think the shows got better and the songs got better and everything got more consistent. It's incredible how people's lives can take different paths in them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, and then some people, you know, uh, are, are bound and determined to do things the hard way. I just, I wasn't really one of those people, you know. I, I got very lucky and had good people around me and, and folks who cared about me and uh, um, was able to, to get my life together and continue doing my work. One of the things I've always admired about you is how you did change your life. Because mm-hmm. that, that's not an easy process. No, it's not easy. Um you know, and for me, I think it might have been a little easier than it was for some other folks because I didn't really get the addiction thing genetically. Um, I know in Justin's case and a lot of people that I know, you know, they had a predisposition toward that sort of thing. And I think that might have made it a little more difficult for them to to, to sober up and stay sober. Um, but, you know, for me, it's been uh, over 11 years now. And, uh, you know, I don't regret... Uh, anything really that I did before I got sober um, but uh, it certainly was the right thing for me to do because uh, my life would be very different if I was still around at all otherwise
with the drive-by trackers and there are kind of echoes of that sound in naturally enough in what you play but you've developed your own sound that's not easy to do when we hear a Jason Isbell song album we know it's Jason Isbell what do you attribute that to well you know it's never something I really aimed for um I think I just got better at following the right mistakes over the years. You know, when I was with the truckers, I was writing for a very specific assignment. You know, I was in a band that had already been established. And so the kind of songs that I was writing were songs that I felt like might fit within the framework of that band um, and the concept of that band, which was which was a pretty serious concept. Um, you know, they were unique uh, in the combination of southern music and punk rock and country music and you know southern rock all the things that made that band what they are you don't really find that combination anywhere else um uh i had been writing songs before um that were probably a little bit closer to what I did afterward. Um, but the time when I was in that band, it was certainly, I was writing something that I hoped Patterson would like and include on their albums. Um, since then, really, I think the thing that has helped me, if I have any kind of a, a voice that's my own, it's it's just come from me being honest, you know, and, and constantly trying to write something that I would want to hear. Um, I think that's led me in that direction. I never really consciously thought, how do I make a record that sounds different from everybody else or sounds like me or anything like that. I just I just wanted to make things that I would like. Those big guitar riffs are still there, aren't they, from the drive-by trackers? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I started off as a guitar player, you know, before I was ever writing songs. I played the guitar for years. So, you know, that that's still a very important part of, of, of me enjoying my job. Who did you listen to when you were young? You know, I, I can hear elements of Neil Young. Yeah, definitely Neil Young and, and uh, Hendrix. You know, Hendrix was huge. Um, and I went through a pretty serious Clapton phase. And uh, um, then when I got a little older, uh, I shifted over more to songwriter stuff. Like uh, my mom loved John Prine when I was a kid. So I started listening to John's music and got really serious with that. And I would cover some of his songs in coffee shops and stuff when I was a teenager. Uh, and Jackson Brown, I listened to a lot when I was a kid, Bonnie Raitt. Um, and then a huge part of, of my, uh, creative upbringing was the fact that I grew up in Muscle Shoals, mm. uh, where a lot of really great music had been recorded. And, you know, that was always sort of part of, of who I was and part of what I did as an artist. Um, Dwayne Allman, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the combination of, of you know, Dwayne Allman being uh, there with Wilson Pickett and then, you know, Percy Sledge and Otis Redding and the Staples Singers and Aretha Franklin and uh, Rod Stewart and uh, Joe Cocker and the Rolling Stones. I mean, all that stuff, when you put it together and mix it up in a big pot, uh, it, it comes out sounding like me and, and like a lot of us who grew up down there.
your last album was Georgia Blue, um, which you must have been pleased at the results of that album. You would have been pleased at the election results too, yeah. which is what led to the album. Right, right, yeah. And, it, you know, that was a, a labor of love. I, I'm not, you know, being a songwriter, I don't do a whole lot of covers. Um, and this was a, an opportunity for us to go in for a weekend and have some guests come in and sing and play and and really just have some fun and and uh, raise a little bit of money for people who are trying to make it a little easier to vote in Georgia. Uh, you know, it's something you wouldn't think needed doing, but it, it certainly does. You do a fantastic version of "I've Been Loving You Too Long." Oh, thank you. You know, that's a that's a hard song to sing, mm-hmm. man. You know, it, it's it's that's a tribute more than anything else, um, because that's that's not a song that needs to be covered. The original certainly does its job, and then some. But um, you know, like I say, it was just we wanted to do things that we thought would be fun, so that's one of the songs that we did. And in memory of Elizabeth Reed. Yeah, that one was really enjoyable too. Yeah, that that was a good time. I've been playing that song since I was a little kid. You know. Um, uh, that was one of the first things that I learned how to play, really. I mean, not that I've ever really learned it exactly right. <laughs> but uh, but the way I play it, I have been playing it for a long time. I've been loving Too long Stop for another battle next year oh what you mean with the election yeah oh you know i live in nashville tennessee we have a battle every couple days um yes i am prepared for a battle i don't uh necessarily think it's going to be um as nail biting as some of the elections in the past have been uh but i didn't think that the last couple times around either so we'll see what happens um yeah, we just we do what we can and and you know so we can sleep at night and hope the result comes out okay. Um, you mentioned Nashville, and one of the songs was almost prophetic, wasn't it on the uh, on the album about a shooting, school shooting? Oh, on the new album, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I written that really right after the Uvalde, Texas thing, um, and uh, sadly enough, you know, it it, it winds up being prescient you know no matter when it comes out it's just one of those things where if you write a song about uh something that's uh, an epidemic in america then then you know it's it's gonna have uh it's gonna be timely uh um 
whenever it gets released. But yeah, it's it's that's hard. It's hard to write about that. You know, really, I tried to go from the perspective of not somebody who who was involved in the violence or somebody who was immediately present when it happened, but more of a personal point of view. You know, somebody who's who's trying to raise a kid and and. Uh, nervous and concerned and and afraid about sending a child out into the world um that's a perspective that i have experience with so very often when i'm trying to write about something that's really heavy um rather than assume uh, what it's like to be somebody else i'll just start from my own you know emotional uh um, background well having children gives you a completely different perspective on life doesn't it yeah, you know, it does in some ways. In some ways it does, I think. Um, if it's too different, maybe you should have waited, you know. Um, but uh, it's kind of like the ultimate expression of, the ultimate example of taking somebody new out on the road, you know, because we go to all these towns and all these places. We've been here before. Uh, but you bring somebody new out with you. You know, part of my my crew, my road crew, they've never been to Australia before. So you get to see everything again. Uh, and, and that kind of perspective, I think, is a really beautiful thing when you have a kid. The idea of, you know, just walking around outside in the yard. Uh, you're right. The grass is really beautiful. And, and this, this uh, flower is pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a psychedelic experience. <laughs> commitment to issues goes just beyond the election electoral results of course you did a the single the problem with amanda last mm-hmm. year didn't you? yeah yeah we we worked on that together um you know that's another one of those things i mean when it comes to 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 women's rights and uh, and civil rights in general uh in america we're at a point where i think you know it's possible for us to to fall back into um, our old ways and really uh, not treat everybody as an equal and that that's tough for me to 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 swallow you know I, I, for a long time I thought we're slowly making progress and there's going to be pushback and sometimes you're going to fall a couple of wrongs but you're still climbing a ladder but I don't necessarily know if that's true I think it is really possible for things to regress and uh, um, and go in the opposite direction so you just have to stay uh, focused and you have to stay aware and and you know you have to spend um, your your spare time thinking about ways to possibly help people out you know um, not really out of any kind of uh, 
grandiosity just just you know I, I grew up around people who who felt like they were unheard and you know people who worked really hard and, and never really got anywhere and uh, I see that reflected in a lot of different types of people in the United States right now and and you know for me to enjoy my life I have to to feel like I'm making a real honest effort uh, to help other people enjoy theirs remember Katie White she jumped the fence that night She ran away in tears Her sister drank her beer We were just 18 The older girls could be so mean Talking just to talk You were still in shock And all I could think to say was everything's gonna be okay it's gonna be all right i'm on your side i'm on your side what do you want to do i'm scared to even say the truth this has been the hardest is it even legal here? Trying not to think of me. Will you look at me the same? Do you need the reasons why? Well, let's move on to the new album. Uh, it's called Weather Vanes. And uh, Weather Vanes is something that you see a lot driving around in the States, don't you? You do, yeah. Now they're probably more decorative than functional. Uh, but there was a time when they were very important. Um, but yeah, it is a, a, a way of knowing what's coming, um, or at least, at the very least, a way of knowing what's happening while it's happening, you know. Um, and among other things, uh, one of the primary focuses of my day-to-day -day life is, is awareness. I try to remain in the moment, and uh, if I can't predict something, I like to at least know that it's happening while it's happening. And uh, I couldn't really think of a better expression of that uh, than a weather vane. So the uh, title is rather symbolic, isn't it, given the uh, sort of uh, content of the uh, the album? Yeah, yeah, they always are, you know, um, unless it's just like self-titled or something. But I try to put my work into, into album titles because um, it's important, you know, it's important, the concept of it and the way people, you know, you're creating this sort of general mood uh, uh, and, and really trying to prepare people for the content of the album. And I still think of albums as one piece of work, you know. Um, I know a lot of artists don't do that anymore, and it's not necessarily the best financial idea to go about it that way. But for me, uh, it's still an important part of the process because that's how I learned to appreciate music in the first place, and that's the kind of music that I enjoy making. Let 
talk about some of the songs while we've got, we've got time. Um, there are some interesting songs here. You, you deal with a lot of different subjects. And uh, let me just talk about a song that is a little bit deceptive because it's a song called White Beretta. And it's got a really powerful message behind it, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's powerful to me. Um, you know, there was a time in my life when uh, I was a teenager and, and, and I wasn't able to support the people that I cared about in the way that I would now. And that's really what that song's about. You know, it's about a teenage couple and uh, hard decisions have to be made. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like without without giving too awful much away, because, uh, you know, some of the characters in these songs aren't famous people and they don't want to be. Um, uh, but that was a time in my life when you know i'd grown up in a very sort of conservative place around a lot of really religious people and and uh, i was i was uh, torn over things that happened in my life and decisions that had to be made whether they were mine or or decisions made by people that i cared about and, and now the, the way i look at it is you know i really wish that i had been there and uh, been able to support that person i was there i was around but i just wasn't um uh, psychologically supportive in the way that i could have been because i was afraid you know and and you grow up and you get older and and uh, I think you're supposed to get less afraid, you know, of, of emotional really? things. You get more afraid of physical things, height and speed and gravity. But uh, but the emotions, I think you're supposed to be a little braver the older you get. I think it might be the other way around for some people. For some people, yeah, it definitely is. But, uh, you know, physically now that's that's different because <laughs> I, I, I would not jump off of some of the roofs that I jumped off of in my teens, that's for sure. It sounds like you've done a lot of work on this. On, on yourself like do you know what I mean it's yeah. not just a casual thing it's like you've really spent some time doing this I have and you know I've done that because I think that it's worth it really um, I think that there's a uh, a reward there for me um, that is constant and, and clear and uh you know, it, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Try to figure out what sort of baggage you're carrying around with you, and then unpack it and unload it. Uh, you know, but it, I think it's made me a better person, and it certainly um, made it easier for me to to enjoy my life. It's hard to do it in the music industry too, because it's so unreal, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to be grounded. If it, well, I mean, if you have some success, now there's a lot of different levels of the music industry. Sometimes grounded is all you get, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I think really the music industry, in in my experience, the the way I use the music industry is uh, just to facilitate. Uh, me being able to create and creating is something that causes you to uh, be self-aware and 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 analyze your own behavior and your own thoughts and your own emotions and I think if it's the other way around if if you know you're using your creativity uh, to further your career um, uh, first and foremost then you might not see a whole lot of growth as a person but but if, if the industry is really just serving the purpose of making it possible for you to make more art, then, you know, that, that path runs uh, um, in parallel with the path of, of growing as a person. Well, you have been incredibly successful. I mean, maybe we're not talking about 
Rolling Stones level, but you know, for what you do, you. Oh yeah, you, man, I'm real. I'm real happy with it. You know, it's it's been more than I could have imagined, and and um, you know, it, it it's allowed me to travel to a lot of places and take care of the people that I care about, and and have a lot of really cool old guitars, uh, which really makes me really happy. You know, they those are more valuable to me than any kind of awards or anything. Um, but um, you know, the the. The real success for me is just being able to make the kind of music that I want to make with the people that I care about. And that I've been able to do for a very long time, so I couldn't be more grateful about it. songs with messages king of oklahoma is almost i was going to say springsteen-esque in the message about it's kind of about a working class man says nothing makes me feel like much of nothing anymore it's, yeah uh, that that is a great song yeah, thank you so much thank you that one that's one of the ones that i wrote while i was out on the movie set it, it, you know, that's just, that's the kind of people that I grew up around. And I had a family member who had some health issues uh, in the past few years. And, you know, I saw firsthand what it's like outside of my bubble, you know. Um, and, and I came from, you know, a, a place where people worked really hard and didn't have a whole lot of money and, and didn't really manage to get ahead. And, and then I got out of that place and I had a lot of success. And, and very often uh, when I'm dealing with my family or my friends from back home, I, I realize that things are still the way they were for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's, I am in a bubble, that's for sure. And, and outside of that bubble is, is a whole lot of reality. And, and that song is about somebody whose life is falling apart because um, really of, of uh, medical issues and you know those uh, developing into addiction issues and that developing into legal issues and you know this big sort of snowball that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until his life's out of control and and, and this song really is is about how quickly and how easily that can happen. I can imagine there's going to be a lot of people who identify with that song. I think so, yeah, because, I mean, it's just really, most of us are just one or two bad uh, breaks away from losing everything that we care about, you know. Um, I think a lot of people are in that situation in, in America, for sure. 
Uh, the song Cast Iron Skillet's got me intrigued and I've, you've said in relation to that, you, you said something like, I think nostalgia is an abomination. Yeah. I think it's a crime, I think it's unnatural. What, what did you mean by that? Well, for example, I don't think that we're supposed to look at pictures of our children when they were infants. Now, I do this. I do look at the pictures of my daughter when she was an infant. Um, but there is a pain there that to me feels unnatural. And I think that as kids get older, they're supposed to be less cute. So you can let go of them. You know, their, their, their ears and their head it grows to, to match the size of their eyes. And, and, and the cave part of our brain thinks, man, that is, that is an ugly child. I don't want to look at it all day. So, you know, when we're at our ugliest, when we're, when we're in our teen, uh, uh, adolescent years, that's also the time when our parents are supposed to let us go, you know, let us out of the house, stay away from us, let us go out and get into our own trouble and figure it out. I think that nostalgia works in very much that same way. The more you go back and examine not the reality of what happened in the past, but your romanticized idea of what happened in the past, the more distorted your idea of the present gets. Um, and uh, I, I don't think it's good for you. I think if you're going to look back at the past, you need to look back at it through the clearest glass possible. Sometimes to do that, you can't just rely on your own memory, you know, because really the past doesn't exist. If we could go on and on about this, but <laughs> it's, this also goes into my time travel theory. I think even if we had the technology to time travel, we would not be able to go into the past because I don't think the past exists at all. I think the past is just a figment of our imagination. I don't think there is any real past that exists at the same time that we exist. So you can't travel to something that doesn't exist. Also, I think there would be big issues with traveling into the future uh, because mostly uh, things are developing. You know, unless you had a map uh, to show you who's going to build what. You know, you could you could materialize inside a brick wall. Somebody could build a house in 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, and then when you show up in your time machine, you instantly evaporate. But that's a different that's a different subject. I'm, it I'm sounds kidding. like you've been reading as many science fiction books as I have over the <laughs> lockdown. I've been thinking about them. That's for sure. I've been writing them in my head. Um, but. Yeah, the nostalgia, the cast iron skillet is about sort of, among other things, those myths of of uh, your past, and and you know a lot of those, uh, the, there are springboards in that song, or anchors in that song that are pieces of advice, you know, coming from people who grew up in a southern place like I grew up, and and some of that advice is is uh, good, and some of it is meaningless, you know. And it's also sort of framed with a couple of different stories of people that I grew up around. One, one person that I knew when I was a kid that wound up uh, being, becoming a murderer and, and going to prison. And then a, a girl that I knew that had a, a boyfriend who was not the same race as her, so her family disowned her. But both of those things actually happened. And, and you know, that song is really a comparison of those two stories and and also a, a, a statement on nostalgia. But nostalgia is a massive part of the music industry, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, and there are a lot of things that, that are a massive part I bet, the I bet there are industry. a lot of people say, I like your old albums better than your new ones. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I don't know that that's nostalgia, though, because if you're actively going back and listening to them, I mean, some people make great records and then a whole bunch of shitty ones, you know. <laughs> um, but... I think I think 
feeding that nostalgia is pandering. Um, I think using parts of the past to, to get somewhere new, you know, I, I like that. I do that. I mean, I use a bunch of old gear and, and uh, old recording techniques and really a very old traditional sort of songwriting structure most of the time. But what I'm trying to do is, is you know, uh, um, sort of uh, manipulate the historical significance rather than romanticize an idea of the past. Don't wash the cast iron skillet Don't drink and drive you spill it Don't ask too many questions or you'll never get to sleep There's a hole inside you Shower up and shave Put flowers on the grave And ask the Lord to save his soul Although you know it's too late Was it 27 times? Or was it 29? I heard the blade broke off inside the man And he took a while to die How did you get so low? Seems like just a week ago we Well You've mentioned the past year, and uh, the song Miles, which is a bit of an epic, mm. reminds me <laughs> of uh, Down by the Water by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. It's kind of got that oh, thank element you. to it. Thank you. It? Yeah, you know, I, I got to be good friends with David Crosby. I know Neil a little bit, but, you know, I, I don't know how many people get to be good friends with Neil anymore, <laughs> unless you have been for a long, long time. <laughs> but but Crosby and I got along really well, and, and Amanda and I were real close with David he came and sang on reunions uh, on a couple songs and we spent a lot of time with him um you know and i learned how to sing harmonies by listening to crosby's parts i mean he was really one of the greatest harmony singers in all of popular music and a great songwriter too but that that particular song yeah that one's a little different because that's sort of a uh, a what if you know what if you don't make the right decisions and and you don't work on staying vulnerable and emotionally available to the people that you care about what could wind up happening Studio. Um, are the people in the band here with you 
the ones on the recording. Yeah, the yeah, same, same band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadler and Chad, Jimbo and Derry, yeah. and uh, Amanda played on the record too. And uh, their friend Matt Pence came in and helped with production on a couple songs, but uh, the bulk of it I produced myself, and then Sylvia Massey mixed it at her place in Oregon. And you've got a special guest, Mickey Raphael. Yeah, Mickey came in and played harmonica on a song. He's so sweet, man. He's you know he's played with Willie for decades now. I think maybe he's coming up on fifty years or something. But uh, but yeah, just just kind of the industry standard in in uh, country and western harmonica. Mickey's the guy, you know. How come you're not on the Willie Nelson ninetieth birthday celebration? That's a good question. We've done a lot of things with Willie uh, in the recent past. I think I think I might have had a show somewhere else that weekend. Right. Yeah. It's amazing that he's. Uh, you know, he's not turning 90. You're like, why should it be amazing? But, you know, it's great. It is, great yeah. He is. But he's still out playing shows, you know, and, and and he's got his sons with him a lot of times. And, and you know, uh, he's just still, I think he still loves making music and being on the road. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I hope I get that many years of, of uh, performing with people I care about. fantastic album out with the high women had her own solo album out last year Mm. tell us about the musical collaboration that happens in your household you know it's different sometimes uh on on a lot of our songs you know we'll write a song until we think it's done and then you know if i wrote it i'll take it to her and she'll either say this is done or this needs work here here and here and and I, I try to do the same thing for her. I actually, a couple of days ago, she sent me one while I was over here, and, and I was so jet-lagged that I was like, I don't really understand this. I'm going to have to look at it again after I've slept, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's a good way of working, you know. We help each other edit, and and we always have an honest uh, opinion. And that's tough, you know. That, that Sometimes it hurts to hear that. Sometimes you fall in love with something and then, you know, she says, well, that's not the best line in the world and you could you could do a better job writing this song. And, you know, I'll get mad and stomp around a little yeah. bit and then do what she said and it turns out for the best. Um, uh, but I'm very fortunate to have her there for that, you know, and uh, among other reasons uh, because it's easy to get, surround yourself with people who just always tell you everything that you do is 
great, and, and it makes it harder to improve. That is a great point you yeah. made there. It's a lot of people, you know, if they get successful as a as an artist, then, you know, anybody who will tell them that they're not doing their best work winds up, you know, you have to go away. <laughs> well, I'm not going to listen to it. Exactly. You know? you know? or, or their ego gets so big that they won't put up with that kind of stuff anymore. But uh, it's really helpful for me uh, to have her there to say, you know, I think you can do a better job than this. Everybody needs a, a coach. You yeah, know? it's really important to have someone to give you an objective opinion, isn't it? Right, yeah, yeah, or else uh, you just don't ever know. I mean, you don't want to get to the point where you think that just because you made something, it's great. You know, that doesn't make it great. That's just self-referential. You know, for something to be great, it really truly has to be great. It doesn't matter who made it. Are you ever completely happy with a with an album? I read a story about David Letterman when he used to do his uh, show and he, people would hear him upstairs after the show throwing things around oh yeah really unhappy he he never did a show that he was completely happy with you know yeah yeah you know um i never feel like i have perfected anything but you know i think part of the process of getting sober uh, more than a decade ago was coming to terms with the fact that i'm never going to make anything that i think is perfect but that's not the point you know um creatively yeah, I mean, most of the time, if I finish a song or an album, uh, I think, uh, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could go back and fix that. But, but that's not fixing it; that's breaking it. You know, because an album is supposed to be a document. Uh, you know, lyrically for me, it's a document of where I am emotionally, but sonically, it's also a document too of where I am as a musician and and where my band is. So, you know, anything you go back and and fix, really, it it kind of breaks it in a way. And hopefully you're always moving forward and improving. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, songwriting is is it's getting more challenging the more I do it. And I think that's a good sign. I think I'm I'm just refining the way that I work and the way that I edit. And and uh, I don't know if if my music's getting better or not. The good news is, you know, if if a song I write today is not uh, as good as uh, Cover Me Up or if we were vampires or something the good news is is i wrote those too and i can still go back and play those every night you know well i would be very surprised if this album didn't make number one on the americana chart and i would be very surprised if it didn't win a number of awards at the americana awards or a grammy award as well i I would be shocked so thanks for your time thank you so much it's been great to talk to you. you thank you Jason Isbell on the 400 unit and their latest album, Weather Veins, released on June the 9th. And Jason Isbell 
was our special guest in this edition of the Rhythms Podcast. The other tracks you heard during the podcast from the album Weather Vanes, Death Wish, When We Were Close, This Ain't It, Middle of the Morning, White Beretta, King of Oklahoma, Cast Iron Skillet, Miles, Vestavia Hills, Strawberry Woman, a fair selection of music from the album, and also from the Georgia Blue album, a beautiful version of I've Been Loving You Too Long from Jason, and the instrumental classic that the Ormond Brothers first recorded in memory of Elizabeth Reed, as well as the single The Problem, which Jason recorded with his partner Amanda Shires. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast this week. You can find out more about Rhythms and subscribe to the magazine at rhythms.com.au. If you've got any inquiries, you can email me at admin at rhythms.com.au and I'll be back again soon with another Rhythms podcast. 